Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of The Reunion Podcast. This is the podcast where I go back in time and find friends and almost famous people from high school, college, grad school, junior achievement, oh, any place back in time where maybe we haven't kept in touch as much as we thought we would. So that is what I'm doing today. I am joined by my good friend, Carla. Now, I was just going to say Congleton, but your last name, I don't think I've ever pronounced it. Is it Odinger? It's Ottinger. Ottinger. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> very generous of you. <laughs> Is that because people have butchered the name over the years? You're just Sure. I mean, I teach elementary school, so a lot of times I'm just Mrs. O. Oh, okay. So there you go. And whatever. Right. It's fine. I'm totally okay with it. All right. Carla Ottinger. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And for those of you who do not know, Carla and I first met in West Palm Beach on the campus right. of Palm Beach Atlantic back when it was still a college. Yes. It wasn't quite as fancy as it is now. <laughs> Certainly not as fancy. Um when you consider Kathy Dorm. No, that was frightening. Yeah. Um, so, but you made it. You need a t-shirt that says, I stayed in Kathy Dorm and survived. Yep, I survived <laughs> Kathy Dorm. And what's funny is, I have no idea where my copy of that shirt is, but I've seen some people that kept it. It should have never been worn. It should have just been placed in a case as a, you know, souvenir <laughs> type thing. Right. But uh, that building is still going strong. And, Hard to believe. Yep. And Palm Beach Atlantic, now a university, growing. It's got uh, a ton more stuff there than when we were there. So back then, now when I got there, you know, the Honorable Claude H. Ray was president. <laughs> and the plan for that school was that it would never get more than 1,500 in attendance. Oh, I did not know that. No? No. You weren't part of the uh, master plan meetings? I guess not. I've always been on the outside looking in. <laughs> you were a part of leadership, weren't you? Well, I, I suppose so. I was a, a RA and that sort of thing. And But like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know if you would call me official leadership or not. Maybe it was just on the fringes. Okay. All right. Now, <laughs> don't want to embarrass you anymore. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm not um, embarrassed. I think it's funny. All right. And so now I want to ask the question, did we graduate the same year, 1989? So I, I graduated in 1990. And the reason why I did, I think we were the same. Uh, we started at the same time. I double majored in elementary education and English. And so I was there an extra year. Mm. Um, so I graduated in 90. All right. See, you were smart. Yes. People like me just did it one but degree I, at a time. The nice thing was in that uh, 1990 uh, year, I that's when I roomed with the one and only Amy Coons. So that was pretty worth it. Oh, yes. Good old Amy. Um, rest in peace. That's right. <clears throat> so let's talk about 
the reason that we hooked up today is I'm going to be making a trip to Pittsburgh later this week, and you just returned from Pittsburgh. I did. And I thought you had some great pictures. Thank you. And so my first thought, of course, was to say, ooh, tell me where to go. Right. Then I thought, yeah, then I'm just going to get a list of stuff, and I won't get the story as to why I should go visit these places. So I thought, let me get you on the uh, Zoom here, and let's talk about where to go and why to go. But let's first start with why a trip to Pittsburgh? That's a great question. So um, I live near Cincinnati and uh, my son, his name is Riley. My son is 18. He um, has wanted to go to Pittsburgh for quite a few years, actually. We talked about going prior to the pandemic and he really wanted to go. And I guess I'll get into why when the pandemic came, that really put that plan to, um, there he is, put that plan um, to the side for a while. And then we were finally able to go. And um, my son, Riley, is on the autism spectrum. And so he has very specific uh, interests very specific things that he enjoys. And one of the things that he really has enjoyed his whole life is Mr. Rogers. And he was very anxious to go and visit the place that Mr. Rogers grew up and where he um, did the show and just key places that, um, that are all about Mr. Rogers. And so our trip was very much a, a specific type of trip where we weren't really looking at things like um, the Steelers or the Pirates. (laughs) We were looking at um, Pittsburgh's friendliest neighbor, Mr. Rogers. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Now, has he always had the interest in Mr. Rogers? Usually that's something that starts early in life when they're watching, you know, Kids don't watch cartoons anymore. So how did he get right. into watching Mr. Rogers? I just, I kind of was thinking about that. I don't know, remember exactly when he started, but he was pretty young. And um, I think one of the characteristics of someone who's on the spectrum is that they sometimes need to be taught social expectations and social cues and things like that. And so as a mom, the show is a really good uh, venue for having conversations about how to act and how to talk to people and how to interact with people. And I also think that there's something about the, um, there's a, there's a setup to the show. There's always like a consistent um, way, like a, a format that they follow where, you know, he does the same greeting all the time. They take the time to maybe talk to someone in the real world, and then they do the imaginary imaginary world. And I think some something about the consistency of how the show was done was appealing. Um, but Riley's liked him for a really long time, like ever since he was a little guy. So right. um, on a side note, yeah, on a side note, um, a really interesting thing is. Um, 
So Mr. Rogers turned out to be Riley's first grief experience, which sounds kind of funny, but he was, he would watch clips on the computer all the time, even as a little, little guy. And he went through a period where he was really quiet and obviously something was wrong or disturbing him. And he was very quiet and he wasn't saying much. And, um, this was probably about the time that he was getting ready to go into second grade or something like that. And we were really worried because he was normally, you know, uh, talkative and well, I mean, vocal, I don't know if talkative is maybe the right word, but he was very vocal, um, and energetic and all that. And he just, his energy was low. He wasn't really doing anything and come to find out that he had found out through the process of watching these clips and things on the computer. And he was pretty savvy with the computer. Um, he found out that Mr. Rogers died um, in 2003. Um, so that it was like, he didn't know that Mr. Rogers wasn't alive anymore. Like he thought Mr. Rogers was alive from seeing these clips and stuff. So it was a, it was his first kind of real experience with, I guess, grieving was very upsetting for him. Mm. So, so, so I have two nephews that mm-hmm. they're, they're on the scale, but they're not like, I don't know how far on the scale they are. My, right. my oldest nephew is, you know, for all purposes, normal, you know, he's got some social anxiety issues, um, right. but it's fully functional. The youngest nephew is also if you you know were to just see them on a regular basis, you wouldn't know it. Um, it's mm-hmm. seeing them on a daily basis where you see their quirks and you see how right. they process things. So, how far is Riley on the spectrum? Probably similar to what you just described. Okay. Um, I think if you look at Riley, you wouldn't necessarily know it. Um, but if you interact with him on a daily basis, then maybe that comes out. Um, but Riley's always exceeded expectations. And so, um, like he wasn't, he didn't talk, uh, when he was, when he was really little, he really didn't talk at all. And, um, spent a lot of time screaming, (laughs) but, um, as he got older, his speech was more scripted, like things that he would hear on videos and, and things like that, that he would use as a means of communication, but then he um, probably around third grade or so is when he started using more, um, just more spontaneous type of conversation. And now at this point, I don't think that people would realize just looking at him or maybe even talking with him. But certain um, certain things might give it away the more time you spend with him. Okay. Um, he's all, he's he's. He just graduated from high school in 2021. Um, he was in all regular classes and things like that um, and did did well. Um, so like I said, maybe it's not immediately obvious. Right. Now, did mm-hmm. he do any extra stuff involved in any of the extracurricular stuff? Um, initially no, but we, I kind of encouraged him to try getting involved with the theater program because I felt like that's a really great environment. I mean, everyone in the theater is very accepting of 
you know, people from all different backgrounds and things typically. And also I just thought it'd be a fun way to be involved. And he enjoyed doing that. Um, Unfortunately, the pandemic came and, and he wasn't, he was able to do some things like um, help paint sets and things like that. Um, so he, he, he had a lot of enjoyment doing that. And then the other thing was he really loved going to the, the athletic games, like being in the stands and cheering and that sort of thing. He loved, he loved doing that. That's good. Yeah. Now, how much of being a teacher, being in education, how much did that prepare you? for living the life of Riley, as we say. Right. I think it was a great preparation. And also, I mean, it certainly wasn't like when he was first diagnosed, it's not like we, we still had a lot we needed to learn and a lot we needed to research and all of that. So it wasn't like I walked into it with all kinds of knowledge at my belt, but I think I knew where to find it. And I also was surrounded by um, other teachers and professionals that could help me um, support me and support us and help find that information. And so I also think, too, as a teacher, just being really aware um, of I just just have an understanding of where he was at and what I felt like he needed and any any um, kind of therapy that he received. Cause when he was little, he received, um, speech therapy and, um, occupational therapy, things like that. We were very committed to replicating the things that we saw those people doing, um, in a, on a daily basis in our home. So I think being, maybe being a teacher helped me be more committed to that process of replicating those, um, those, interventions early interventions really important okay yeah all right well thank you for sharing that didn't mean to take that big of a left turn for you but no i think i started the turn but it's a good turn to talk about i think people it's important for people to every child is different but maybe the journey can be um can be at least similar or there's something about the journey that someone can relate to all right. So I want to start off the, the Pittsburgh journey with the letter that you shared with me that Riley wrote. And he writes, Mr. Rogers, I sincerely cannot thank you enough for being one of the major parts of my life all these years, from childhood to adulthood. Your love and just you as a person means so much to me. And I'm simply beyond grateful for that. Love, Riley Ottinger. That was... uh Pretty interesting. Now, it's been nine years since Mr. Rogers passed, and uh, I don't know how long since he had found out. What prompted him to to just write this letter? Well, that that we we went to the front. The first, one of the first places we went to when we did our vac- our trip, our little vacation together, is we went to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which um, is where Mr. Rogers grew up. And it's also the home of St. Vincent College. And at St. Vincent College, in addition to things like spring training for the Steelers, um, is also the Fred Rogers Center. And the Fred Rogers Center has um, displays and exhibits of things from the show, 
um, artifacts from the show, you know, sweaters and puppets and things of that nature. And then also a guest book. And that's what Riley wrote in the guest book. I said, well, here's a guest book. Um, you know, you can write what you want. And that's what he chose to write, to, to write. So um, all that comes from just a sincere sort of love and appreciation that he's had for many years. And it was neat for him to have the opportunity to write that. All right. So that was the, the very first place you went. Yes, we went to the Fred Rogers Center um, in Latrobe. While we were in Latrobe, we also did a couple other things. Like we went to, there's a Latrobe Art Center that Mr. Rogers' sister helped found. And we went there and we even visited the cemetery. And I let Riley have some, I said something to Mr. Rogers myself there at the mausoleum and I let Riley have a chance to, you know, I went to the car and let Riley have a chance to spend some time there if he wanted. And we talked a little bit about what he said. It was kind of along the same lines of just thanking him for being um, so important to him. And also he thanked Mr. Rogers wife uh, as well. So it was pretty cool. All right. So when I think about the Fred Rogers Institute, I am assuming it's, you know, an homage to his show and to some other things, but what are the types of things that you can do there? Really? It's about looking at um, the, the different exhibits, which are a number of things like there's a lot of video clips that you can watch. For example, there, there's a really famous speech that Mr. Rogers gave to um, in Congress where he was advocating for money for public television and um, that's a really cool speech to watch. Um, there's another speech where he um, spoke at, I think it was the Emmys. And kind of, it was in, just interesting to watch. Like you had all these, you know, people that we think of as celebrities and had them all very quietly all just stop and have a moment of silence for all the people that helped love them into the place where they were in that moment. And that's cool because all of these people all sort of paused and stopped and um, are visibly moved. There's just something about Mr. Rogers where he can get, he can get to the heart of of both the simple and the, the deep and profound things of life. Um, So anyway, you can see those video clips you can see some um, uh, photos and um, things in his writing where he was writing songs, um, things like that. It's really just a, a place that has, a, a, it's an attempt to show the influence of his family and, um, and then the, the impact of the show. Okay. Yeah. So just to give people perspective, Latrobe. Um, yeah is about an hour, uh, what is it, west of Pittsburgh or east of Pittsburgh? Kind of southeast. Southeast, okay. Yeah, of Pittsburgh. Um, That was our first stop. And that was, we had a really good time. um, Really good time there. We didn't do everything related to um, Mr. Rogers, but that, that, um, that one picture. So that's Riley looking at a, 
a video clip from the show. I'm talking about the pictures. Um, and then we saw what he wrote in the guest book. And then there's a picture of Riley and I with a, uh, at a bench, there's a, a, a statue on, at a bench in a park in Latrobe, um, where, you know, we sat and we, we took our picture. And of course we had our matching Mr. Rogers t-shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was our first day of our, of our trip. The next day we went to an amusement park called Kennywood. I'm not sure if I sent you a picture that was Kennywood related. I don't think I did. Um, Kennywood right. is sort of like, uh, you know, Kings Island or Cedar point or that sort of thing. Um, and we went there for part of the day and we went to the things that Riley's interested in. And one of the things that Riley's interested in besides Mr. Rogers is he really likes Thomas the train. And so there's a, there's a Thomas section and that was the big draw. So we went there and did some rides that were um, sort of Thomas themed. And we did some other things too while we were there, but we weren't there a super long time. And then after that, we went to the Carnegie Museum of Natural History. And I think there's a picture of Riley with some dinosaurs. And the purpose to go there was um, Mr. Rogers had done a, an episode at the, the History Museum. And so we went there to see the dinosaurs ourselves. And um, that was that's also really fun to do. There's, there's a lot of really cool sections there. I would definitely recommend the History Museum to someone visiting. <clears throat> All right. And those are actually closer to Pittsburgh. Yes, that's in, that's in, definitely, that's much closer. All right. So I'm looking here, I'm, I'm Googling and stuff and uh, checking the maps and and all that. Uh, As we go through, I saw the the website for uh, Kenny Woods Amusement Park. Right. That's a pretty big uh, amusement park. It is a big amusement park. Um, It was, it's, it was pretty fun and I, it was, it was, seems like it's a very popular place. So uh, definitely if the family's coming to Pittsburgh, that's probably a place to plan to go. Um, and then in the Mr. Rogers theme, we also went after around the, the, the same day that we went to the Carnegie museum. We also stopped real quick at WQED because that's where Mr. Rogers filmed the, the show. And, um, we also went to the house that Mr. Rogers lived um, when he, when that's closer to like downtown Pittsburgh. So there's R- Riley at WQED. Yep. So we actually filmed at the station. Now, did he do everything literally around this area? Like, I mean, you know, nowadays we know that everything's either filmed in Hollywood or, you know, at one of the major stations, you know, or, 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 uh, not stations, but you know they make these uh, movie sets for stuff. Right. And very few things are filmed on location. So this was Mr. Rogers was filmed mostly at WQED. It's a public television station, um, and for certain visits that they did, like if they went to another location, it was just for the day, and they took their their public television crew with them. But most of the show was done on site at WQED, but kind of a different vibe, I guess, because it's a public television venue. 
Right. It's a little bit different. Well, and it was some, what, 50 years ago? <laughs> right. Even, even longer, I think. Right. Um, Long time ago. So. Um, so then after that, one of the things that we did was sort of my choice, but Riley was really into it and really engaged was we went to the um, Andy Warhol Museum. It's called the Warhol and it's in downtown Pittsburgh. Um, and I, I know like in our, the pictures that you have, there's a picture of him in front of the building, but there's also a picture of him. Um, um, he's got his hand reaching out. Um, yep. That's the Andy, that's the Warhol. And then each floor is dedicated to different, uh, area different like a t- chronological timeline of Andy Warhol's life so the very top floor there's seven floors the very top floor is sort of early life and then you work your way down each floor um to kind of get more and more into maybe the things that we're more familiar with so there's Riley and he's one of the things of course they talked about how Warhol used um made those prints and then he would do um a rep- repetition of re- repeating the same image over and over. Like there's an Elvis that's repeated like 11 times or something. And it's this huge mural. But, um, but this is, this picture is uh, the Campbell's soup can and it's showing what the, um, what the print would fe- would feel like the lithograph or whatever it is, the thing that he's using to make the, make the print with. And then, um, so Riley's just kind of, feeling what that's like and all of that. But that was a really great place to go and really interesting. And we spent quite some time there. Um, very different, but, um, and I was having a conversation with a friend of ours, Alan, about what is art, you know, mm. um, this, you know, the soup can, all that kind of stuff. Like it pushes the boundaries of what is art what, who decides what it is. Um, but for Riley, he, he was really into it. And so was I, we had a good time talking to each other about what we saw and, and all of that. So I would recommend going to the wall visitor like yourself. All right. Well, our friend Alan, yes. So he would (laughs) definitely be somebody to have that conversation with what is art because, um, I should probably do a link to some of his stuff. Um, Yeah. The wine foil art and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now did you have to talk Riley into seeing the Warhol or did, you know, had had he already done his stuff? So he was kind of okay with it. He had done his stuff, but also as part of, uh, you know, Riley took several art classes when he was in high school. He already knew who Andy Warhol was. And um, he's interested because Andy Warhol and Mr. Rogers, I think that they they weren't in the same, uh, they weren't exactly the same age, but they're like maybe just a year or two apart from each other. And so they're, they're kind of celebrated in the, in the town um, in Pittsburgh kind of equally. Um, so I think Riley was interested because of that and because of his, he already had a knowledge of Andy Warhol anyway. So I didn't really have to talk him into it. Um, but I did kind of make it like, you know, Hey, I, 
this is something I'd really like to do. What do you think? And um, he was totally on board with that. So. All right. Well, good. Because when you look up, you know, the top attractions or top touristy things to do around Pittsburgh, the Andy Warhol museum is in there. The Carnegie museum of natural history is in there. So you got two of them. Got two of them. Um, So we did that. And um, another kind of key thing that we did is the um, Heinz History Center, which is probably also on your list. That's not my list. I'm just well on the list. Google (laughs) the Google list. Um, The Heinz History Center. The Heinz History Center has um, so there's a Mister Rogers um, section there, but there's also other things. Um, So of course, you know Heinz ketchup the Heinz company, there's a whole Heinz section. So you can like learn all about, you know, traveling salesmen that went around with the pickles and all of that <laughs> stuff. Um, so, and there's some, you know, interesting and kind of amusing things in the, the Heinz section. There's um, a World War II section that we really enjoyed looking at. Riley was interested in that. Like we, he kind of chose the things that we did while we were in that center. And again, having studied some things in high school, he was interested in World War II. And also he specifically requested to go to, um, there was, there's a, a section that's, I think it's called From Slavery to Freedom. Um, but it's about, it, it starts with just the kind of honoring the African heritage. and then kind of, I don't want to say graphically because it's what, but honestly portraying um, things like, you know, there's a section where you walk in and it's sort of like uh, the, the boat, the slave ship, and there's manacles and things of that nature. Um, Very, I found it disturbing but important, like it's an important thing for people to walk through and experience. Um, it's odd that you say that. So uh, we recently had to go to St. Louis, um, again, another sad occasion where a family member had passed. And we did have some time, you know, after the funeral, after the receptions, memorials. Um, and Kim and I did make it to the St. Louis Arch. And I was actually surprised how much they had incorporated black history and slavery in the arch. And um, it's actually, I don't want to say interesting, but it's, it's comforting, reassuring, uh, all those types of adjectives to see that you know, there are places in this country where we are remembering stuff, as you mentioned, you know, in a real, uh, sometimes sobering way. I think that's the right word is sobering. And, um, and there's a process that you go through as you work your way through the section where it's kind of chronological in that, you know, you would see something about plantation life and the, and the selling of other people. Um, And then eventually things like 
the Underground Railroad, the participation in um, the Civil War, all kinds of stuff. And it is done in a way that is both respectful and sobering. Um, and, and I was really glad that, that Riley wanted to see that. And it was a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to walk through and talk about, um, talk about all this stuff. One of the things that you, I don't know if you noticed, but there's on the, the so Riley and I have these matching shirts and it says, the shirts say in a world where you can be anything, be kind. But the picture is from a pretty famous episode of Mr. Rogers, where Mr. Rogers is sitting and he has his feet in a kiddie pool. And there is an African-American guy who's on Mr. Rogers a lot. His name is Francois Clemens. And he, on the show, he plays like a police officer. but Mr. Rogers has um, Francois put his feet. They put their both put their feet in the kiddie pool together. And this is at the time when, and if you watch like any of the Mr. Rogers, like documentaries or the movies that have been out, this is a time when um, Mr. Rogers is fully aware that there are people that are forbidding Blacks from being in the pool or purposely throwing chemicals in the pool to, to get them out, that sort of thing. And Mr. Rogers, like purposefully, was kind of like Jesus and the washing of the feet, except he didn't come right out and say on the show, hey, this is Jesus washing the disciples' feet. But that's what this is because they put their feet in and then he helped dry off Miss Francois Clemens' feet. And it was a really important um, act for kids and families. And so um, Riley and I have talked about that a lot. Like he's, he um, is very, he has a very deep understanding of the reason why Mr. Rogers is so popular is the empathy and the respect for other people. So. All right. Very nice. I did not pay attention to the shirt, but I just did okay. now. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I do have, uh, there is one of the pictures that you sent where you can see it on Riley. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll try to find another picture to go along with this podcast of the full shirt um, so that people can see that. Absolutely. Um, So anyway, we saw the Heinz Center, uh, Heinz History Center was um, a great place to go. There's more there. I'm telling you the kind of the highlights of what we saw. And then um, kind of as an aside, this is only the only the kind of thing that only Riley and I would do. <laughs> um, but he was interested. And because he was interested, I was like, sure, let's do it. Because he 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 wanted this trip. And so he got to decide our our destinations. Um, one of the episodes of Mr. Rogers, it, Mr. Rogers went and got a pair of shoes at a local shoe store. So we went to the shoe store. It turns out it's a sixth generation at this point, sixth generation in the family shoe store. And it's the oldest um, family run shoe business, like continuously family run shoe business in the United States. And um, Riley got to pick out a pair of shoes and buy a pair of shoes. So he did that. And then we went to um, 
North of Pittsburgh, there's a city called Saxonburg, and we went to Hotel Saxonburg for lunch or dinner, I guess, lunch, comma, dinner, um, because there was an episode that was about a, what is it like at a restaurant? And we went there because that's where Mr. Rogers filmed um, the, the kitchen and the restaurant and all of that. So we did the some of the usual uh, destinations. And then we did some ones that Riley knew of, you know, and it was fun to go there. Like when we went to the shoe store, he was, and they, he talked to the people there and they were showing the pictures and Riley was like, yeah, that's us. And I mean, I don't know who these people are in this family, but <laughs> Riley knows. So, um, so yeah, the, it was all um, kind of determined by what he wanted to see and what he wanted to do. Um. And those were, I guess those are the main things that we saw and we did while we were in Pittsburgh. Um, I am afraid of driving. I don't like driving. And so I found driving in Pittsburgh to be challenging. Um, there's a lot of uh, acute angles, <laughs> like you're driving and you have to turn a really sharp turn or there's a lot of hills or things aren't very clearly marked. Well, Pennsylvania is one of those areas, you know, where the the streets were kind of built in that masonry way where sharp angles and the protractor curves and stuff like that. So I could see that. It was stressful. And I mean, you know, I don't really I'm not into driving anyway. And so I that was challenging. And then the big thing in Pittsburgh is there's Mount Washington and the most direct route to go from. Um, like a little south of downtown into the main part is to is tunnels. Well, I I can't I can't do a tunnel. I I just I watched a YouTube video of someone driving through the Liberty How to Tunnel. Drive through a tunnel? <laughs> yeah, to drive through the Liberty Tunnel, which is like a, over a mile long or something. And I thought, well, I'm going to watch this and see if I can do this. And I felt, I mean, not a full blown panic attack, but I felt my heart race just watching the video of the guy driving through the tunnel. So I did, I actively avoided uh, the tunnels and I drove out of my way so that I wouldn't have to be in the tunnel, but um, probably other people would be totally fine with it. It freaked me out. <laughs> I, I would think that would be part of the experience. I mean, I'm sure people were like, you got to go through the tunnel. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And I'm, and, <laughs> And that's, I'm totally okay with the fact that I didn't go through the tunnel and I don't even want to be a passenger in the tunnel. Like I, if I have to be, I will, but I'll put myself on the floor of the vehicle and close my eyes. And then when it's over with, so yeah, that's my plan for the tunnel. Yeah. We'll just give you a little pill like they would do for (laughs) Mr. T and the A team. Right. Right. Now, one thing that we didn't get to do is we were scheduled to go on a trolley tour of the city. And the trolley got canceled. Um, but one of the things it was supposed to do was take us up something called the incline. And it takes you up Mount Washington. And it's supposed to be a really cool view of the city. But we didn't get a chance to do that. And I would have done that. Um, but it just didn't happen for us. Mm. Well, I can tell you this. I'm sitting here going through the list of things that you've told me about. And I'm going for work. Right. So I'm trying to figure out which one of these will I be able to squeeze in. Uh, so I'll have to figure it out and uh, 
see if I can knock one of these out on this trip. And uh, it sounds like I'll have to plan another. Maybe. Um, I didn't realize until we, you know, we, a couple times we took a lift ride and we had one driver that was pretty talkative and I didn't, I guess I'm just out of it. Maybe because I'm in my own education world and I don't, I don't know the corporate world as well, but I didn't realize that Facebook and um, some other a TikTok, some other other social media people have headquarters, or at least one of their headquarters in Pittsburgh. It's very much a a I'm a technological center. I didn't know that. I think there's a lot of things like that. Pennsylvania in general, I didn't realize was home to a lot of these places. You know, you know, you hear about Hershey, you know, Pennsylvania. Right. And, you know, we know Philadelphia, you know, from the history stuff, but, you know, outside of that, no, I didn't think of anything, you know, major in Pittsburgh besides the Steelers, like you said. Right, right. Um, So if you're going there for work, I imagine you'll probably be downtown and probably the maybe the easiest thing that you would have an opportunity to do would be the Heinz History Center because it's right in the heart of downtown. Like right on the, right near the water where you cross, like there's kind of like the North shore of Pittsburgh. And then there's like the, the kind of that triangular area. That's kind of like the heart of Pittsburgh and it's right in that. So you can, you probably would have the easiest time doing that. All right. So we'll see it. I think even for people who aren't going there for the Mr. Rogers trail, there is a thing like you can look up online. There's like something that's called the Fred Rogers trail and it tells you lists all the places that you can see. But um, even if you weren't doing that, I think there's, there's a lot of interesting things to see and do there. I would highly recommend the Warhol and I would recommend the Heinz history center, maybe the top two non-sporting, well, number two on this list that I'm looking at, and I'm not going to name the list because I don't want people yelling at me. Uh, right. Mount Washington is actually number two on the list. Right. Mount Washington is, I mean, you that's what the tunnel goes through and that's what the incline is. You're riding the top of it and seeing everything. So, yep. All right. And uh, it's interesting. So, of course, the list is probably highly slanted towards Pittsburgh because they're listing most of the things that you have mentioned, except for, oh, oh, there it is. Mr. Rogers Memorial statues all the way down at 29. Uh, They don't have their priorities in line. (laughs) Yeah, but it just mentions the statue. It doesn't mention anything else. Right. And there's really a lot that you can see if you really want that Mr. Rogers experience. But the statue Um, is above the Heinz Memorial Chapel. Okay. Um, And I mean, this is kind of as an aside too. like, so Riley and I both don't really like a long road trip. So I purposely planned our trip. Like we could have probably done Pittsburgh in like three days, but I purposely stretched out the experience so that we would not feel rushed, that we would take our time that we would stop. So even like on the way back from Pittsburgh to Cincinnati, 
we didn't go straight through. Like we stopped halfway through and spent the night and we looked at, we went to Wheeling, West Virginia to this toy and train museum. So like we, you know, we, it wasn't a marathon, I guess I'm saying we made it, made it comfortable for us. Very nice. So let me ask this and forgive me if I don't know my own history with you, but how did you end up in Cincinnati? Is that where you just ended up after PBA or are you from there? Because. No, not from here. I, um, the, the story is, so after PBA, I, I grew up on in Southwest Florida near Fort Myers and my husband and I met there and my husband actually went to Asbury Seminary in uh, near Lexington in Wilmore, Kentucky. Okay. And he was at the seminary for about three years. And, and prior to going to the seminary, when he graduated from college, it was with a computer programming degree. Really? And we, Randy was in the seminary and we were, um, in debt and I was uh, subbing, but I couldn't find a regular teaching job. And eventually Randy stopped going to seminary and he found a job in Cincinnati through a mutual, like through a friend at a computer programming company. So we wasn't ever really our plan to be here, but here we are all those years later, all these years later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, oh, yeah. Just thought I had to ask cause you know, I always end up, you know, not knowing things of, you know, right. and the reason I asked, so part of it is because, you know, my wife, Kim is from Ohio. Okay. And of course she always gets frustrated that, you know, I have lived in Florida pretty much most of my life, but I know a ton of people from or in or around Ohio. So okay. I've had people from Dayton and Toledo and Columbus. Right. And Cleveland, and it's just uh, she just she just finds it fascinating that I know so many people from Ohio. Hey, so yeah, we're technically we're Kentucky, um, Northern Kentucky, across the river from Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, that's how we ended up. <laughs> but you here. say you're from there... Ohio because you don't want to say you're from Kentucky. Is that what happens? No, I well, I mean, I don't really want to. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this on your nonpartisan show. I don't really want to associate myself with Mitch McConnell. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but um, I'd say it just for people, like a frame of reference. Like most people don't realize that Kentucky is across the Ohio River from right. Cincinnati. But if I say Cincinnati, it's the general. There you go. It's the general area. All right. Even though I want to ditch Mitch. Uh, okay. So you're an Ohio girl. That's all you need to say. Yeah. I'm a Florida girl. Okay. That's even better. So I identify as a Florida girl, but I'm living in, uh, here's the problem though. Northern Kentucky. That is some sort of path. If you grew up in Southwest Florida. Yes. I mean, I mean, I hate to say it this way and, you know, people from Ohio are going to be very upset with me. I'm like, but, you know, if you've ever lived, let alone grew up in Florida, why would you ever move? 
That's what people say to us all the time. Um, I will say that for Riley, it's been a really great, um, a great environment. And we've, we've been really fortunate with the schools and with the community and all of that. But I do have a dream of one day going back to Florida. You're here. We welcome you back. So I'm a Florida girl. I identify as a Florida girl, but I am currently living in Independence, Kentucky. <laughs> All right. Well, tell the hubby, there's tons of computer jobs down here. So yeah. I don't know if teaching pays as well as up there too. That may be a problem. Um, the, the, the biggest issue is I'm so close to um, retirement that I can't, I'm kind of locked into my mm. teaching job right now. Gotcha. And so I don't want to mess up that. But once that's, once I'm eligible for that, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Hey, got a place down here in Del Boca Vista waiting for you. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) All right. Well, Carla. I'll have dinner at 4.30 and play shuffleboard. With the $2 coupon. That's it. The early bird special. Oh my goodness. Well, Carla, thank you very much for spending some time with me and, and chatting. And, uh, I'm actually quite pleased the way we did this. I, you know, thought we just chat about, you know, places to visit around Pittsburgh, right. but, you know, talking about your son and Fred Rogers and stuff, that's, uh, I hope we'll find that as interesting as I did. I don't know if anyone will find it interesting, but it was <laughs> certainly nice to talk to you about it. And, um, Hopefully somebody will enjoy it. We'll see. They will. So folks, uh, that is my conversation with Carla Ottinger. Good job. And uh, you know her as Congleton from Long Beach Atlantic. That's right. Hopefully you sailfish will listen to this. Right. uh, You wish, you wish, you wish you were a fish. (laughs) I have not said that ever (laughs) since leaving. (laughs) I mean, why would you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, Folks, thank you very much for downloading and hopefully subscribing to the show where you can get great interviews like this with all of my famous friends. And uh, if you've caught this one for the very first time, head over to UncleMarv.com where you can see other episodes and you can click on the follow button. And anytime a show pops up in Google podcast or Apple podcast or Spotify or iHeart or, uh, or if you want to follow on the YouTube, whenever we do a video chat, you can see that as well. And, uh, hopefully we'll have, uh, a lot more great and interesting stories down the road. So for today, on behalf of my good friend, Carla, thank you very much for tuning in. That'll do it. And we'll see you next time. 